Good to see you here this morning. Good to have some visitors here with us. And I hope that the time we all spend here together, that I get to speak to you the Word of God, that we get to uh, have fellowship with each other, build each other up, and we get to come into God's presence and worship Him, that, that all of this will be uh, edifying and uplifting, and each of us can leave here having benefited from the time we've spent here together this morning. We had the teens over to our house yesterday evening for a, a big Christmas party. I think that all went really well, and everybody had a, a good time ate too much. That was mostly the adults who ate too much, probably, and uh, playing some games together. And then if you either listen to the announcements that Bobby made, or if you've looked at the calendar, or if you've picked up a bulletin and checked that out, we have a lot of things going on over the next couple of weeks. The prime timers have a party Tuesday night. The ladies are getting together, some of them next Saturday, putting together uh, gift baskets here to give to some during the holiday season. Then we're having a church-wide party next Sunday night, which Mommy promised I was supposed to give you more details about. And all about all I know to do is to bring finger foods, although Wednesday night Philip said that I was going to have some things planned for that, so I guess I better get on that uh, for activities. Apparently that's been thrust upon me. Um, just show up and bring something to eat and we'll have a good time. And then the next week on that Thursday night, the uh, youth and their families are going caroling like we do every year. That's a lot. <laughs> and that's just what we have going on here. Now, I, I encourage you to get involved in as many of those things as you can, but we think about it at this time of year, that's in addition to whatever we've got going on ourselves in our own preparations, our own plans, events that we're hosting, or family that we're going to see, or things that we have going on at work. Now that Thanksgiving is just a little over a week behind us, we realize that we are right in the middle of the holiday season. You walk in the, the stores and you see the decor that they have up, or you see the movies come on television, or especially the commercials that come on television this time of year. Uh, you know, last week advertising for Black Friday and then the sales that go on all weekend. And of course, it doesn't just stop last week and you have Cyber Monday. And this year I learned that there's uh, Travel Tuesday. It's the best travel uh, day of the year to buy deals for that. And then on and on it goes for a whole week now. Not to mention the commercials that, you know, have people buying uh, cars and trucks for each other for Christmas and putting giant bows on them and things like that. On and on and on it goes. We can't help but become aware of the anticipatory nature of this time of year. And of course, the countdown really started well before Thanksgiving. And with each passing day, the anticipation, the excitement grows. Lights and decorations have gone up. People are crowding into stores. You hear the holiday music playing. A lot of people, especially small children, are looking forward to a very special event that occurs just about two and a half weeks from today. And even a small child could tell you exactly what that event is. Santa Claus is coming. 
He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. We all know that song, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Why is it? It's because Santa Claus is coming to town. Now that may be important to a lot of people. And I love Christmas myself. Everybody who came over yesterday and saw the decorations that we have up, you know that. A guy doesn't buy red and green dress shoes that he can only wear barely one month out of the year and then only kind of get away with it if he doesn't love Christmas. So I look forward to it every year. But it does make me wonder why we aren't even more excited, why we don't look even more forward to the coming of another one. One who's coming not from the North Pole with the sleigh pulled by eight tiny reindeer, but coming from heaven with the clouds. When he comes, he'll bring gifts to his people, but his gifts won't be based on our goodness. They'll be based on his grace. So this morning, I want to urge us to make our plans, to prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds, to prepare our souls for the coming of the Lord Jesus and to try to to understand the aspects of his coming that set him apart from all others. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Rock read this a few moments ago. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You see, Jesus isn't sending an ambassador He's coming himself. That's what Paul says. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. And that should be a tremendous source of comfort to us. Encourage one another with these words, Paul says. But if that is a comfort to us, if that is going to encourage us, then we need to be certain that we're ready for that day when he comes. Maybe at this season of the year, you like seeing the excitement grow in the faces of your children or your grandchildren as that day gets closer and closer. Now, I've come to understand that this is not something that teachers enjoy because it makes that last three, four weeks of the year almost impossible to get through and actually do any teaching. But I think about it from the standpoint of a kid because I was a kid once, and those of you who see it on your own children or grandchildren can appreciate it. With each passing day, the grins grow a little bit bigger. The adrenaline starts to pump up there. That expectation is just bursting forth from every pore. And I remember being a child that what now seems like it goes by in a blur, that period from Thanksgiving to Christmas when you have so much to do and you can't get it done. It seemed to just drag on and on and on. It was interminable to get there. That's because of the excitement, the anticipation. But what I'm suggesting is we should be even more excited when we 
think about the coming of Jesus? Do you realize that we're instructed to look forward in that same way to his coming, to anticipate it? 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, Peter writes about it. He's been talking here about wrapping up of history. And he says, since all, thing, all these things are thus to be dissolved in light of the end of the world, this world, What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Peter asks a question. In light of this coming day of the Lord, Jesus is coming back. What sort of people ought you to be? We need to look forward to that, he suggests. And he says, because of that, you need to live holy lives You need to serve God. You need to do all that with a view to that coming day of the Lord. And that enthusiasm, that anticipation was certainly a driving force for the earliest believers. If you look to the very end of the Bible, very last book, the very last couple of verses, you look to Revelation. John writes, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Now, we think of even so as sort of a saying of submission, you know, so be it. But John means it as like, all right, even so, come. Jesus says, I'm coming. And John says, yes, come soon. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That should be our attitude too. So let's think briefly together this morning about the return of Jesus. Let's be excited about his coming. And let's have our hearts and our minds prepared for that. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking that, okay, you've convinced me, or, or I already was. I, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. But, but there's questions. How's it going to all happen? When's it going to happen? And what's it all about? Why, why is he even coming? Those are good questions. And I can't hope to answer them comprehensively this morning. In fact, some of them we can't really answer at all. But we can at least drive towards answers for those. So, first of all, how will Jesus return? We don't have to wonder about that because Scripture tells us. In fact, he himself tells us that. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is speaking about his return. And he says there in verse number 30, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So how is he coming? He's going to come openly boldly with a great trumpet blast on the clouds much like those angels said to the apostles you remember that at Jesus ascension they were standing staring up into the sky and they said hey you men of Galilee why are you standing there staring in the heavens this same Jesus is going to return in just the same manner that you saw him go every eye is going to see him every knee is going to bow every tongue is going to confess that he's Lord. It's going to be bold and open. There won't be any doubt about it. 
He's coming with power. He's coming with glory, he says. And everyone will acknowledge him. That's the how of his coming. But when will he come? We really want to know that because we want to be prepared for it. I think most all of us like to be prepared. Some of us are are greater sticklers about that in the planning, the organization than others. But you think about it in terms of Christmas. Most of us will be prepared for Christmas because you have a hard deadline there to work with. And if you don't have your gifts bought, or if you don't have your food prepared if you're having family over, if you don't have your decorations up, or or whatever it may be, you're probably going to, to disappoint some people if you have those sorts of plans going on. In contrast, the problem with Jesus coming is we don't have that same hard deadline in the sense of knowing when it is. We don't know when he'll return. We only know that he said he will. In fact, later in this same chapter, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says again of his coming, this is beginning in verse 36, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and wouldn't have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus says effectively, when you least expect him, expect him. When everything is going on normally, you're just continuing about life's everyday business, that's when you should expect him. When would that be for us? Would it be there at Christmas when you've got all the presents wrapped and under the tree and you've just brought Christmas dinner out of the oven and then suddenly he shows up? Lord, I'm glad you're here, but your timing's not the greatest. Can you come back later? Or maybe for some of us it would be a few days later on January 1st when all of the big bowl games are being played and uh, you just think you're going to sit down and watch Oklahoma choke another playoff victory away and that's the one thing I have to look forward to as a Texas fan this year because our season wasn't good but maybe you're sitting down there just preparing for a regular old New Year's Day and then suddenly he comes back Paul writes again to go back to first Thessalonians this time in chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 concerning the times and the seasons brothers you have no need to have anything written to you For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul encourages us to avoid getting all wrapped up and speculating about the when, trying to set dates as so many have done throughout history. You go back to the Middle Ages, 
You go back even to our own day and age. I remember a few years ago, there was a fellow who took out billboards. I saw them around Austin that the Lord was going to return on May 21st, 2012. And of course, he didn't. But so many get involved in that. Paul says, don't get involved in that speculation. He's going to come like a thief in the night. You won't know when it happens. But because of that, as Jesus said, we need to always be ready because it's imminent. So we've looked at how Jesus will return. We've looked at when he'll return. I want us to consider then why he'll return. And there's really two different reasons to keep in mind here. First of all, Jesus is coming back for you and for me. Now, if you think about that, really, that is an incredible thought, isn't it? Jesus is coming back for us. Make that personal. He's coming back for me. He's coming back to take me to be with him forever. That's what he promised the disciples that last night before his crucifixion. You remember this? This is John chapter 14. And even if they don't fully understand what's going on, Jesus has told them repeatedly that he's going to be killed. He's going away. They know that something different is in the air. They're disturbed. Jesus says there, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a, pla- <clears throat> prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus says that he's gone to prepare a place for his people, and he's coming back to get us and to take us there. I can't think of anything more awesome than that. But there's a second reason that we need to keep in mind here. We don't want to miss this. The first time Jesus came, he came as a servant. He came as a sacrifice for sins. He was born into this world in the same way that we are, as a a helpless little baby. He was born in, in poverty, laid in a manger, as we all know, because there was no room at the inn. He was born in shame with all sorts of whispered speculation about his parentage. The people he came to serve rejected him, beat him, they mocked him, they ultimately crucified him. The most humiliating and painful death imaginable. Jesus is coming back, but when he comes back, it won't be as a servant. And it won't be to suffer. He won't come in helplessness. He won't come in humiliation. Instead, he's going to come back as a conquering king. He's going to come back in power and in glory. He was enthroned as king at his resurrection and at his ascension, and he's coming back to wrap all of that up, to announce his victory, and to hand that kingdom back over to the Father. That's what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this great chapter on the resurrection. He says right in the middle of all of this, verse number 24, then comes the end when he, and that is Christ, 
delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. He's coming. He's coming so that everyone can see that he's king and so that God may be all in all. Paul writes about it in another way in Philippians chapter 2. This is where he's talking about, much as I just did, Jesus humbling himself, pouring himself out into human form. But in contrast to that, now he's been exalted. Verse number 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why he's coming back to take his people home and so that everyone will know that he is the one true Lord of the world. So hopefully we have a better understanding of of how he's coming, of when he's coming, of why he's coming this morning. But there's one more message I want to share with you before we conclude today. And that is that Jesus brings good gifts to his people. I don't know what you're going to receive at Christmas. I don't know if there's some special something that you've really got in mind or if you're one of those people who doesn't get into the whole gift-giving thing at all. But whatever you get this Christmas, I can assure you of one thing. Whatever you get, it's going to wear out. Now, it may wear out because you just love it so much. You may just want to wear it every day or it may be something, you know, some toy, whether that's a child's toy or an adult's toy because we have toys too. But it may be something that you enjoy so much that you just physically wear it out. There's no life left in it. Or it may be because someone gives it to you and, oh, thanks, and you put it in the back of the closet and it wears out because it rots. But whatever you get, I guarantee it's going to wear out. What Jesus gives to his people will never wear out because what he's come to give us is eternal life, an existence that never ends in communion, in the presence, in the company of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. James writes about this. James chapter 1, verse 17, we all know this verse, that every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. We know that. Every good gift comes from above, from the Father. But the next verse says, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Every good gift comes from the Father. And the greatest gift is that through his word, the word of the gospel, we have salvation. We have been made new creations. This sort of first fruits, a sampling of God making all things new. That's the greatest thing we could possibly have. The salvation we have, the eternal life we have with God in Christ. That's what he's coming back to give us. 
And we need to be excited about that. We don't know the day or the hour. And in fact, even though I've answered some of those questions, hopefully this morning, the main point, or one of them that I hope we get, is that we don't know much about it, period. But what we do know, and what is most important, is that he's coming back. And whether we can determine when that is or exactly what that looks like, he's coming back for those who have received him, who've pledged their allegiance to him as that king of the entire universe, king of kings and lord of lords. So in the midst of all your preparations at this time of year, don't neglect to prepare for his coming. In the midst of all the excitement of this holiday season, don't fail to be excited for the fact that the Lord is going to return. Now, maybe you're not ready for that. Maybe you've never become part of his people. Maybe you're not one of those specifically that he's coming back for to, to take to that prepared place. And if that's so, I want to urge you to become part of that people today, to place your faith, your trust in him, and to turn to God in repentance to be buried with him in the waters of baptism and have your sins washed away and to be added to that prepared people awaiting that prepared place. Maybe you're here, you already are a Christian, but you've been focused so much on the cares, the preparations, the anxieties of this world that you failed in some way to make some of those eternal preparations and you need to make changes this morning. Whatever your need may be, I want you to be ready before we leave today for the return of the Lord. And if you're not, and you need to make changes, I encourage you to come now while we stand and while we sing.